1: Pitch. A swing a long Deep left.
0: Way back. Hey everyone, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer here on a Baseball America Playoff podcast brought to you by my bookie. Kyle and I are going to be doing this, you know, some form of this, whether it's just us or maybe it'll be some other guests sometimes. It'll also be days where, you know, that it'll be Maybe not even either of us, and we'll have someone else doing it, but we're going to try to do playoff podcast as we do every October. I know it's September still, but every October. And uh, with that, we're going to analyze what happened yesterday on day one of the wildcard round of the American League and get it it in and out of the year before we get to the cavalcade, the uh, onslaught, the 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 torrent of baseball that we're going to have today eight games today here on wednesday september 30th kyle good to you know good to be able to you know you're up early to do this west coast uh doing this i do want to ask you kind of the first thing i want to kind of throw to you is of these four games we had yesterday what is the team that you think that lost game one that is sitting there knowing they have to win two games in a row to preserve their season What's the team that you say, you know what, I, I still feel pretty good about their chances to do so?
1: Yeah, so everything's relative, right? When you're only one game away from your season ending, potentially, um, you never feel super comfortable or super great. I think just in that context, the one team that lost yesterday that I think you still feel somewhat okay about, given the context, is probably the Twins. I mean, this was a team that, you know, was in the lead for a good chunk of the game. It was a 1-1 game in the ninth and a mistake happened, a throwing error. The door opened up. Um, It's not like the twins got dominated. It's not like they just looked outmatched or outclassed. Um, They've got Jose Barrios throwing against Jose Urquidy and Urquidy obviously has been really, really good for the Astros one healthy last postseason. He was excellent. Uh, He was, was really good after becoming active this year, but Jose Barrios in a lot of ways is the twins ace. You're at home. Again, they were the most competitive of the losing teams yesterday, I felt like. So of all the teams that lost yesterday, that's the one where I think you feel the best. But at the same time, you can never feel particularly great when your season, again, is one day away from being over. And the flip side of that is,
0: is what is the team? So you're you're still like the chances of the Twins having a chance. What's the team that's up 1-0? Not Astros, because you, you've already covered that one. But is there another team that you look at that's up 1-0 and you say, okay, that was a great, you know, hey, being up 1-0 puts you in a much better position than being down 0-1. But is the team that you're still a little worried about whether they're going to be able to pull this off?
1: Not really. I mean, that first game is, is so, so, so critical to winning this. Um, you know, and for the most part, we saw – You know, the the Rays are very favored over the Blue Jays. Um, And, you know, they came up with some big hits. Blake Snell gave them a great pitching performance. Again, I'm not really worried about the White Sox. Um, Again, this is an offense we know can bang. They slumped a little bit, but they came out yesterday. You know, Yankees-Indians, you're not worried because Masahiro Tanaka's on the mound. Now, Carlos Carrasco is a really, really, really good pitcher as well. Um, But Tanaka has been locked down in the playoffs. I, I don't... It feels like a cop-out, but I don't really have an answer of what team lost yesterday. Do you go, okay, well, you know, eh. I mean, I think all three teams that we, you know, hadn't talked about beyond Astros twins, you got to feel pretty good about their chances right now.
0: At, I, it, it, was a, uh, it was a day with some dominating pitching performances uh, on day one. It was a day where I think the absolutely positively best pitcher in baseball in 2020, Shane Bieber, was the worst starting pitcher on the mound. I, the craziness of, of baseball, if you just said, hey, there's going to be one guy who just gets utterly shelled. And I'm not looking at you, Matt Shoemaker. You know, you're not the starter who's going to get shelled. You're going to do really well. Um, <laughs> but Shane Bieber, you know, no, you, you need to back up a little bit. You know, you're going you're gonna to have your worst outing of the year and it's not going to be close. Kind of a, a, a crazy day. You know, we do want to kind of go through each game, a, a little bit of each game. And we'll kind of go chronological on this. As you said, Twins Twins Astros was a, I would say, probably, in my opinion, the most interesting game of the day. I mean, it was back and forth. It was a pitcher's duel. It was a game that really Minnesota could have blown open in the first, but Miguel Sano is uh, thrown out on an infield grounder, nice play by Bregman that he's thrown out by about a, you know, an eighth of a step, a quarter of a step, something like that. You know, um, made the right call, but that, that was enough for, uh, for Houston. And then, as you said, you you get to the, uh, to the ninth inning and, and the, the flip side of that, Alex Bregman made a very tough play coming in on the ball, something he did a couple of times in that game. And then you go to the ninth and Polanco is not able to make not an easy but a very makeable play an error that essentially is the game i don't know another way to put it that's that's the game that you know it was very much back and forth but one of the things that we we have a slack channel that we enjoy discussing the games as it's going on and one of the interesting decisions in this game was is that zach the, the the astros pulled zach reinke essentially said two times through the order that's it for you and turned to Framber Valdez and I would say overall when you look at the playoffs and if I'm mischaracterizing you in any way please please tell me you know feel free but you do not like the idea of turning over these games to your bullpen so early especially what it means to the long-term effects of your bullpen over the postseason over the series all that You were not a fan of that when it happened, but looking at it now, seeing that they kind of did basically minor league Astros, you know, plan a, which is we're actually going to, you know, tag team this. Does it now it obviously worked out for them, but looking at it now, are you still not a fan of what they did with pulling Greinke so early or the fact that they went to Framber Valdez for effectively the second half of the game makes it
1: more make sense to you? Well, I think Framber Valdez simply went in and pitched his tail off and you give the guy credit. You know, at the end of the day, we can talk strategy as much as we want it comes down to players and how they perform and how they step up. And in this case, Framber Valdez, tip your cap. I mean, the guy was great all year. He'd had some long relief outings like this. I covered a game in Anaheim where it was a very similar deal. He had a long relief outing, even took it into extra innings if I recall correctly. Um, so again, performance is always going to be the dictator here. Generally speaking, Given it's your number one starter, he's at 79 pitches. It's been a lot of soft contact. Knowing that you're in a situation where you potentially are going to have to play, you know, three straight games, and it's a long postseason. Your bullpen, you know, if you wear it out too early, can get really, really tired. Again, I didn't love it, just given who was on the mound, how he was performing. And and I look at you know the other games yesterday, and you see, hey, the White Sox, you know, Lucas Giolito was pitching great, obviously. White Sox let him go. You know, the Yankees got a big lead. They let Garrett Coles still go out and eat seven innings. Um, Blake Snell, the Rays let him go until, um, you know, there was a little bit of traffic on the bases. Uh, the, yeah, go ahead run came to the plate. I, I kind of prefer that when it's your number one starter. Um, and the Astros as well have had some, they have a very inexperienced young bullpen. So, you know, personally, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen them leave Greinke in for another inning or two. But again, it comes down to the players and what they do and how they perform. And Framber Valdez pitched his tail off and you just give him the utmost credit in the world.
0: The other thing I'll say with that, I I liked the move at the time. And the the reason I liked it more than anything is probably is that I see the Twins as a team. Now they've they've used their their ability to do this, but I see the Twins as a team that absolutely positively wants to face right-handers. You know they 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 do not like facing lefties. They like facing right-handers. This year, they slugged over a hundred points better. They were uh, they were uh, seven seventy-two OPS against righties. There were six fifty-eight against lefties. They now, I think the Astros are approaching this. It sure feels like I wouldn't be surprised today if they tandem started this again. You know I, I think that they're looking at this as. Now the way teams do this, they game plan this. They're they're basically going, okay, how do we get 27 outs? And they kind of go into it. Everything falls apart the moment you actually start playing the game. But they go in with a game plan of, okay, if we can get 12, 15 outs here, we can get 12 outs here, we can get to that. They kind of plan that out. If I'm a Twins fan, and I, I don't know how you can be optimistic during the playoffs if you're a Twins fan because – you have a history here that, unless you're flashing back to 87, 91, and you've basically taken off being, you know, uh, following the twins since then, you have a lot of reasons to be pessimistic come postseason. But if there is a slight reason for optimism, it is that, okay, at some point in this series, Framber Valdez was likely to get a lot of outs against you because you are very ineffective, you know, against lefties. And, okay, that's been done now. And after this, they do have a couple of lefties in the in the pen, which is something the Astros in past years have not had. But you're you're probably going to you know get a chance to face uh, you know more righties going forward, and I think that that's kind of key for the Twins.
1: Yeah, and one thing I want to give the Astros credit here too is they had some some really good at bats where you saw the postseason experience come out a little bit. Um, you know, I think about the seventh inning. You know, they're down one nothing, two outs, none on excuse me, two outs, none on, and they're able to string, string some things together. Josh Reddick's single, Martin Maldonado's single, George Springer's single. I mean, again, composed, late game at-bats. They were able to make it happen. And, you know, the error obviously opened the door for everything in the ninth inning. I mean, that was really the catalyst there. You know, that right there is the third out of the inning. Um, Jose Altuve, you know, draws a bases loaded walk, you know, works the count full. Michael Brantley comes back with a sharp single, you know, really professional hitter on a one-two count. I mean, I think we saw, again, just some really professional bats from the Astros there. And, again, give them credit. You know, we, we can talk about strategy all we want. comes down to players performing in crunch time, staying composed, staying within themselves, and, you know, making big plays, whether that's at the plate, on the mound, in the field. And, and the Astros in crunch time had a lot of guys do that yesterday.
0: It is interesting though, as we kind of wrap up on this game. The the Astros, which we you talked about the importance of game one. Well, I would say the Astros threw their best two pitchers. You 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 know, Granke, because of his history, I, I think can fairly be called their ace. You could also argue that Framber Valdez may have been even better this year. Those were their best two pitchers, you know, starting pitchers as far as uh as Fit this year, as best as far as ratios, best as far as, you know. Just general effectiveness. Christian Javier Urquidi are not far off on that. Although, as you said, Urquidi was uh, was banged up. Didn't you know? Well, not banged up. Urquidi was held out early on uh, coronavirus. But um, now it's going to be interesting to see where this goes going on. We're going to jump now to uh, White Sox A's. Before we do that, though, we do have we're going to stop for a uh, a short message. It's fall, and at my bookie, that can mean only one thing: it's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. You can bet the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, USC, NFL, and then some. The craziest sports fall of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets where you can bet games in real time with five bookies live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BASEBALLAMERICA and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Welcome back. And White Sox A's, I, I, <laughs> power and Luca, power, and power. I guess would be the way I'd say this. Lucas Giolito continued to uh, to mark himself as as one of the, uh, the most improved players in baseball, he has taken that leap that the White Sox really needed someone to take in their pitching staff. He's done it. And, you know, coming off of a year where he, you know, he had a no hitter. We, we had reasons to, to wonder if he was going to get a chance to do that again. You know that he took a, a perfect game actually uh, relatively deep into this one. I, I kind of felt like that the White Sox were in control of this one, pretty much uh, from early on because the way Giolito pitched, but also Jose Abreu, who's having just a, a monster season. You know, the, the power of this White Sox team is kind of their calling card. And it, it lived up to that in, in game one, Kyle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, four runs scored, three home runs, one of which was a two-run shot. You know, everything scored on home runs. But, you know, Lucas Giolito, I mean, that was just awesome to watch. I mean, you talk about a guy who's just – you know, going right at hitters, everything's working. I mean, the breaking stuff was nasty. The power stuff was nasty, all of it. And he was dotting the corners. I mean, this is just a great pitching performance. And, and that's what the postseason is about, watching the best perform at their best. And it's just really, really impressive and, and continuously incredible to see how Lucas Giolito, you know, reinvented himself, shortened his arm action to become the pitcher he's become. There's such a long history of young pitchers struggling for their first one year, two years, three years, and then something changes and they just become a whole different pitcher. And it's as uh, Carlos Colazzo, our colleague tweeted out yesterday, your reminder to never give up on your pitching prospects too early. Um, these guys take a little longer, but when they click, they really click. And uh, I, I just have an appreciation for talent and watching Lucas Giolito pitch the way he did yesterday you can't help but just tip your cap and, and enjoy it. I mean, this was a really special performance. That was a lot of fun to watch. It was. And I if I'm the A's, I, I you
0: know, the, the good news is I won't have to fake Lu face Lucas Giolito again in this series. The the bad news is, is that I I do think that this White Sox lineup is <laughs> it, it's ferocious and As we've said kind of throughout this, I mean, we said this in our preview podcast, you know, that when you just look at the lineups, you give credit to Oakland for being as good as they've, you know, as they are to get here. But I I just feel like that their lineup does not scare me the way that the White Sox lineup does.
1: No, it doesn't. If, you know, I I mentioned on the preview podcast, I could kind of imagine a scenario where both teams win this in a couple of different ways. And, And for the A's, the scenario for them to win this is. You know, they're starting pitching as flawed as it is, can give them, you know, four, four and two thirds, five solid innings. And then you bring out that bullpen and you keep the game close, one, nothing, two, nothing. Um, But what we saw the White Sox do yesterday where they went out and just jumped on Jesus Lizardo. And you have to note the White Sox came into this year 14 and 0 against left handed pitchers. That's now 15 and 0. Lizardo is very talented. He's also a young lefty, a rookie season lefty. Uh, facing a ferocious offense that just pounds left-handers um, you know you just kind of feel bad for the kid and the White Sox you know pounced on him and if they do that you know the A's they've had some great comebacks including a couple walk-off grand slams early in the year um, but the White Sox you can't give them that much room that early and you know we talk about Lucas Giolito, and he's obviously you know been a great pitcher this year Dallas Keuchel's been their best starter this year. He had a sub two ERA, one nine nine. I mean, when you talk about you know the best pitchers the White Sox have, Keuchel's been the guy that's actually been more consistently effective. Now he goes game two. Chris Bassett has been the A's best pitcher this year as a starter. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at what Keuchel's done. You look at that Twins offense. Again, the A's are a really good team. They've had a lot of comebacks. You don't ever want to count them out, but. I think when just look at how each team is positioned in Game Two, the White Sox absolutely are sitting very, very pretty right now. It you know again there
0: we'll have we're we're gonna move through some of these pretty quick because again in that game there wasn't uh, there were not many inflection points. Giolito good. Uh, <laughs> you could say some player. of that for for Jay's Rays as well. Uh, Blake Snell good and you know that game was a little closer. But the reality of it is, is that when we say, when we talk about teams have a plan, Blake Snell was outstanding. I think actually in some ways, Alejandro Kirk getting that, uh, that really nice at bat where he goes, you know, oppo to get a, a single, which breaks up the no hitter kind of almost, you know, may, may have done the raise a favor because then you're not debating, do you need to pull a guy from a, from a no hitter? Because, Blake Snell has not gone deep in games. They are not treating him as a guy that they want to get. They they do not want to see him walk off the mound at the end of the seventh or eighth inning and then hand the ball over to the pen. They want to get a really good five to six innings out of him. They pulled him after five and two-thirds. But he walked off the mound in a situation where, you know, he he had done his job. Um And, and you know, you look at it. I, I also have to say the – the unusual strategy that the that the, the the Jays had by starting Matt Shoemaker in the uh, opener, which not their ace, not a guy who would expect to see you know maybe even start in this series, it didn't it did not come back to hurt them, except for the fact that that Robbie Ray ran into a little bit of trouble after he left the game, but Shoemaker excellent for three innings. I, this this was a game you know that you had some kind of unlikely guys for the Rays, kind of step up man you know manuel margot with the homer there was some nice defensive positioning and defensive plays by willie adamas um peter fairbanks the guy that they acquired last year in the nick Solak deal gets a save after not having a save all season although he was a very good reliever for them anything from that game that really struck out to you kyle is is like something that was notable or something that we should watch going forward
1: yeah, I mean, we talked about the Jays who played the Rays tough all year, and 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 they did. The Rays, you know, had to fight. This was a close game, 3, three one. I think two things that jump out, um, you know, the Rays we've talked about, their pro scouting staff has done a really, really good job for years finding guys, who are, you know, are a little under the radar and, and helping, you know, these guys become, you know, impact players. I mean, Randy Reina and Manuel Margot are our two offseason trade acquisitions who, you know, great athletes and defenders who had some questions about their offensive ability, you know, a cause he was just so aggressive and Margot just cause he hadn't demonstrated a whole lot of impact. And these are the two guys that come up with the biggest hits of the game for the Rays um, that did jump out to me, you know, with, 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 Rays, the other thing I thought was, I thought they managed Snell beautifully here. They let him go, you know, five and two thirds. And I liked that they didn't pull him as soon as the no-hitter was over. They didn't pull him as soon as Alejandro Kirk had that single. They looked at the lineup and said, okay, we're still at the bottom. They let him pitch to Danny Jansen. They let him go get Kevin Biggio. And then they pulled him because you're at the top of the lineup and you're about to go through a right-handed run with, you know, Bo Bichette. I I should say is technically the leadoff hitter, but you're about to go through this right-handed run with Bichette, Gritchett, Guerrero, Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez. So I just thought, you know, we talk about managers and when they're pulling pitchers and we shouldn't be surprised that Kevin Cash and the Rays uh, just had a really good game plan of exactly when to do that and how to do that. And the Rays' bullpen held it down. You know, Peter Fairbanks was great. Nick Anderson, another under-the-radar trade acquisition last year, was great. Um, again, just a really solid game for the Rays. And, and again, this is how they're going to win. Great pitching, a couple of timely hits. This is not a juggernaut of an offense. Uh, but this is the formula that's worked for them consistently. And, and this is what it's going to look like.
0: Not, nice play also in left field some point in the game I'll be honest I was trying to watch multiple games but I remember Rosa Reina making a nice catch on a ball I thought was could have been at least a single if not a double and uh, again there was some good defense for for Tampa as well but overall you know they I, I I do watch this Blue Jays team and I do feel like I'm watching a team and going man they're 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 here you know they're in the playoffs now but they're a team that I just wonder they they could be really interesting over the next few years. You look at the middle of that lineup and you go, oh, this could this could really be something.
1: Yeah, I wrote about that in our preseason preview. I mean, pretty much the entire you know main main infield. Obviously, Jonathan VR isn't, but um, you know, a lot of them are. They're all 26 and younger, and even you know the outfield, Gritchuk and Hernandez and Gurriel, These guys are all 27, 28. There's there's a large potential window here for these guys to be in their primes and. Um, I will say with the Blue Jays, I was curious about the Matt Shoemaker decision. Um, Hunjin Ryu, um, you know, he's been pretty good when he's gotten that extra day of rest. You know, I will say if you're the Jays, you feel good about going Hunjin Ryu in game two and Taiwan Walker in game three. Both of them have been really, really good for them this year. Again, am I going to pick them to beat the Rays? No. But again, I think if you're the Blue Jays, you feel pretty good going with these two guys game two, game three.
0: So well, that takes us to our our nightcap, which kind of got the the way that the schedule worked out. We had three games going at one point, and then boom, they all clear out, and we've got you know Cleveland and New York. And the reality of it is, is that probably you know the least compelling game of the day, just because New York did a very good job of of beating up on the best pitcher in baseball. It was uh, an Aaron Judge home early, home homer early, and then you got to the point. Third, fourth, fifth, where Shane Bieber, it wasn't that he was awful, but he was not able to make to execute the way that he has been pretty much all season. Um, his breaking balls didn't seem to be uh as convincing. He wasn't getting the swings and misses that he often gets. A lot of really good takes by New York. And and when New York got a fastball, you know, also his command seemed to, at times, not always, he had yeah, good command a lot of the time, but at times was not what it normally is, which meant that his fastball caught a little bit more of the plate than it normally does. And credit to New York. They, uh, they beat up on him, and then they beat up on the bullpen after he left. But at that point, it was really kind of, here we go. We're, at that point, it was okay on to game two on, on both sides, I would say, you know, in, in many ways, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I think what stood out to me is, so we talked about this on the pre-playoff podcast yesterday, that the Yankees offense at home versus on the road was really two different offenses. And, you know, I talked about, you know, intuitively an offense with Aaron Judds and Giancarlo Stanton and Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres. Like, these guys are really freaking good players. They should be able to bang anywhere. And, And you kind of expect them to. But for whatever reason, the Yankees offense as a unit was just not good on the road this year. Well, we saw that talent come out yesterday. I mean, right away, four pitches in LeMahieu single, Aaron Judge home run, the Yankees are off to the races. And this is what they're capable of. This is the talent they have, as we mentioned, that just hadn't clicked on the road for them. For them to go out and be at their best against Shane Bieber in Cleveland just really, really impressive. And again, I think we can point to, you know, Bieber didn't do this, didn't do that. I think the Yankees just had great at bats and these were really talented players putting a charge into the baseball. Um, seeing this kind of come to fruition, it, it gives you hope. If the Yankees can do this. Yeah. I mean, this is a world series team. They have the horses. They just between injuries. And they also played a lot of really bad defense this year. And, and there were just some, some depth issues, But here they are, you know, for all their low points this year, they were 500 or better the whole year. They were in playoff position the whole year. Now that they're healthy, everything's kind of starting to click. And the other thing I took away from this as well was, you know, this was a big, this was the reason they signed Garrett Cole. As soon as they got a lead, he smelled blood. He was not going to let them give this up. I mean, the Yankees are up three, nothing gives up a run. They come back, give up another run. But, you know, again, this was a guy that, okay, if you hand him a three, nothing lead, The game's over. And he went out and he shoved, gave them seven innings. They didn't have to waste the bullpen in a game where, you know, all of a sudden if he ran into trouble when it was a 5-2 lead, you have to go to your bullpen early. That's just messy for everyone. He shut it down. He did a great job. It was and, and great. He's just on the whole, everything went as perfectly as they could have for the Yankees, except for Josh Naylor, you know, hit, hitting baseballs hard. And making a nice ball. defensive play, too. Yeah, no, that was that was an impressive playoff debut by him. But yes, everything that could have gone right for the Yankees did. And that's a testament to them. They they made that happen. Well,
0: the other thing I'd say is is that, and this is why you have Garrett Cole. They went up against Shane Bieber in a game where they could go, you know what? if our guy's on, he's every bit as good as the guy who will likely be the unanimous Cy Young winner. I, and that's, that's, that's significant. I mean, that's to have that, and Garrett Cole has done this before, but he, again, he was in complete control, and I know that my velocity bias is a, uh, a, a bias that I, I wear proudly. I want my ace, and maybe it's because I covered the Braves in the 90s, Those were some great pitching staff. But if you give me a choice between the guy who basically has that kind of, that that fastball that just can blow it by guys to go with, you know, secondaries, or as I saw in the 90s with the Braves, you know, the Tom Glavins, the Greg Maddoxes, who are really good, but who often didn't have those utterly dominating outings, you know, in the postseason because every at-bat's a tougher one if you're having to nibble a little bit especially in Glavin's case sometimes that's to me that that was what Garrett Cole was last night Garrett Cole last night was I'm just going to be in complete control of this game and especially once he got that lead it was like against this lineup no they're not they have no chance of coming back against me and that's what the Yankees needed to see and that's what they did see the other thing though that I just wanted (laughs) I'm going to go on a little bit of a a, a thought here and then you know I want to hear your thoughts too but I'm I'm afraid of today as a baseball fan. I know it's great to have eight playoff games, but I just have to tell you that yesterday I didn't enjoy that during the day as much as I wanted to because I just felt like there was too much important baseball going on for me to fully process everything that was happening. When we had the Twins-Astros game – grabbing my full attention in the ninth inning understandably even if i had a second screen on that had white Sox a's on it and i had a third screen on that had Rays blue jays but i was locked in on what was happening in the you know in the twins astros game because that game was basically was on the line in the ninth inning i would have really really preferred i understand the nature of this, that we're going to have to have games going as other games go on. But it ended up being because that A's White Sox game went quick and the Twins Astros game ran a little slower. Those games were running in parallel. And so I felt like just at the time that I got to shift my full attention to White Sox A's thinking, you know what, I'll get to raise Blue Jays once this is over. Well, that game ended basically right at the same time. I didn't feel like It's the playoffs. I want to fully appreciate everything that's going on. And I wasn't able to do that yesterday. Today, I fear for, you know, for how is it possible to actually pay attention? Now, great thing is, is again, hey, we live in a much better world for this now than we did when I was growing up as a kid, where it would be, I've got this one game on one channel. We're not getting the, you know, these other games you know, at all on my three channels or whatever. And by the way, I don't have this thing called the internet where I can go back and watch condensed games, or I can go back and watch the highlights or all those things. But that said, as a baseball fan, this isn't March Madness where I don't care really that much about that 12-5 game. All I want to know is if it's going to come down to the wire, and if it does, flip me over there just before I get to see the buzzer beater. That's not baseball. In baseball, I need to know, especially like the A's-White Sox game, if you weren't paying close attention to that, you would every now and then I would notice that Lucas Giolito was shoving. But you, you turn and focus on another game for a minute, and then Abreu hits a homer, that's over. You know, I, I missed that moment. It's not something where you say, oh, okay, there's two men on. This is a key at bat. Let me shift my focus to this game. It was snap your fingers. The moments happen. Now we're moving on. I, I struggled with it yesterday. It was not as enjoyable as I hoped it would be having four playoff games on the same day. I fear for today. What, what, what do you think, Kyle?
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely tough just because I'm watching, you know, Astros Twins. It's a 1-1 game. It's like, oh, Lucas Gillespie is doing a perfect game. I need to flip over to that. It's very, very tough to try and watch three baseball games at once and really get the full grasp of everything that's happening, all the little moments that end up making a big difference. And then when you do t- try and dial into one game, you feel like you're missing what's going on in the other games. There's a little bit of FOMO. I mean, I... Barely really got to watch Rays Blue Jays yesterday just because you know Twins Astros and and uh, White Sox A's both were so compelling and and for different reasons and by the time I actually got over to Rays Blue Jays it was the seventh inning I I saw you know just in time for Nick Anderson to pitch which or Diego Castillo I'm sorry so yeah I mean you're inevitably gonna miss something and then you wonder well did I really get the full breadth of the other games I was watching it's it's tough I, I personally yeah I do prefer being able to dial in on a game but. Um, you know the situation is what it is, and you know I've been thinking about this today. I'll be out. Uh, I'm in San Diego. I'll be covering the cardinals Padres game one today, and I'm gonna be obviously there covering that game, and my focus will be on that. I'm gonna essentially miss out probably on what happens when at least four or five other games between pregame and all the interviews and the game itself and postgame and writing. absolutely. And it's like I'm gonna get home after the game and be like, okay, so what happened and it's a weird feeling to have. It, it is. And
0: I, again, and these are, I, I know that I have, you know, first world problems here with this because we're people who I can legitimately watch, have five screens set up and go, this is my job. Even if you're, you know, we are working in the office, right? If you're back in the office or whatever your job is, you can't do that during the day. And by the way, do remember, like yesterday, we had one primetime game we had three games that were basically non-prime time on the East coast. And on the West coast, they were like, you know, start in the morning to wrapping up basically before you get to dinner. We're going to have that again today. If again, if there's eight games on a day, there's no, it's unavoidable. There is no easy answer to this, but I do worry for all we talk about, Oh, this is great. We have so much baseball. There's, I love during the regular season I absolutely love the fact that you know on a Sunday afternoon where you're just bouncing from game to game because it's it's Sunday it's during the middle of the season there's not any one of these games that's like this is you know a, a season on the line we're going to have four elimination games today going on every one of which is is the most important game of those team seasons uh, to go with four other games my head may explode. And again, I, I, as problems go, this is not a, not a bad one to have, but I do wish, I I just, I, I wonder if others feel like I do that if you are, if you're, this is actually, I think way better for a casual fan than it is for a diehard. I also get it. You know, we're also in a weird situation that we're trying to follow all of them. If I'm a Reds fan or a Braves fan or a Yankees fan, take your pick of your team You just lock in on your game and say, I'm not even worried about anything else. But if you're trying to follow what's going on with all of it, that's where I just have this little worry that it's like, okay, today may be too much. And to be honest, if there are some teams eliminated today and it means that tomorrow we don't have eight games, that's
1: not an all of a bad thing to me yeah it's hard to multitask but i also enjoy you know good good quality postseason baseball and i i you know being out here on the west coast i actually do find it kind of fun i've got hey i've got a playoff game at 9 a.m a playoff game at 10 a.m a playoff game at 11 a.m at noon i've got a playoff game starting every hour on the hour you know starting at breakfast time it's i i I do enjoy that it it actually is kind of fun
0: so we will dive in we're going to want to get this up before the first game starts we did see uh I think Braves fans uh, may be worried about their, uh, their rotation, but they are, uh, if I go by Braves Twitter, the fact that Christian Pache is on the postseason roster and Ender Inciarte is not is, uh, is a, uh, a fact for much rejoicing in Braves land. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in these games. That's our first game, Reds-Braves, starting at noon today. And we're trying to get this up in, in advance of that. So we're going to finish this now. For Kyle, I'm JJ here on the Baseball America playoff podcast brought to you by My Bookie. So long everybody.